Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public. Our first guest for this episode is Les Anderson, who farms near Red Wing in southeast Minnesota. Les, tell us about the innovation grant project that you have going on and why you decided to go in the direction that you've gone. Well, I've been, uh, for about three years, I've been working with a product called uh, Pivot Bio. Uh, it's a microbial that's supposedly supposed to get in out of the air, attach it to the roots, and uh, where corn can use it. Um, and they're trying to get 35 to 40 pounds of nitrogen out of there. Um, I've tested it two years now, I think. And uh, last year I had it with uh, varying rates of nitrogen and um, with, with and without uh, pivot bio. And we've seen about a three to five bushel type increase with it. Um, but a lot of farmers, you know, you think you want to add something, you're trying to increase yield. But this one, you're the idea is you're adding it to try and reduce how much nitrogen you're using and uh, um, commercial fertilizer, commercial nitrogen. And then um, I started thinking about side dressing and stuff, which is a bit of a problem in this part of the state. Um, we're sort of limited to urea pretty much because of our rolling hills and topography. Uh, you you just don't, you can't get down there with uh, white equipment, follow the roads with like a banding type unit. So we use uh, dry urea, which is, um, you know, it takes a little bit of time to do it. It's very weather dependent. If you don't get the right weather, it's not going to work. And uh, and plus with our hills and everything in our, our uh, we don't have the nice straight fields where you run out over a lot of corn going back in there again at that later stage. So I just, I've never been a big fan of uh, side dressing. And the other thing is um, our local co-op, they put together all their acres. They, you know, they do all their, they collect a lot of data and stuff. And I was surprised when I seen that over seven years, 200,000 acres, um, comparing dry urea, um, pre-applied versus side dress, there's less than a bushel advantage to it. So it really made me start to question why, is there some other way to side dressing that, uh, you know, would work? And so this year I'm going to compare uh, and pivot um, the regular side dress type application routine with dry urea versus putting um, most of the nitrogen up front and with a pivot bio, hopefully trying to give you that nitrogen later in the season when you're, when you need that extra boost there and stuff. So um, that's the main uh, goal of my um, uh, projects and stuff. Uh, Another thing would be, like I said, it's very weather dependent. Last year I put, put on uh, side dressed on my plot and I remember it was like about 100 degrees that day and it didn't rain for about two to three weeks so I just questioned how much that nitrogen was left at the end of the you know for the corn to use how much just disappeared into the air and um, you know that's the other thing that nitrous oxide that's uh, way worse uh, for the atmosphere than even carbon dioxide it lasts longer longer in the atmosphere and, and that sort of thing so there's just a lot of reasons I'm looking at trying to, you know, is there, is there a way to get away from side dressing in, in this part of the state at least? Yeah. So given the results that you have so far, you mentioned there is a, 
a yield bump with this pivot bio proven but as far as a return on investment is it is it where you want that ROI to be or is that sort of to be determined yet well that's always to be determined I mean it costs uh, roughly like um, 20 bucks an acre last year to put that on and it was giving a yield bump of three to five bushels at you know seventy eight dollar corn now I mean it's uh, definitely has an ROI um, if corn is three bushels before it's not as much but I think the idea is really not the yield bump but how do you maintain yields with using less commercial fertilizer and that's where the real payoff is going to be um, I, I was surprised last year I had nitrogen ranging from 220 pounds all the way down to 120 and there was no difference in yield um, with and without the pivot bio so last year we were applying a lot more nitrogen than we needed just because I think the moisture and uh, was a limiting factor along with the heat and uh, things like that and, and plus we didn't have the big rain events that typically we might have that might wash out that uh, urea away that we so we can't use it or it's not available as much well you touched on it a little bit but as you look at 2022 and furthering this project um, what else do you want our listeners to know about I guess just uh, you know just I think everybody has to start thinking more about nitrogen how much we're using it that uh, like I said that plot last year I did was sort of an eye-opener for me is how much um, like in that that one point that's 100 pounds of nitrogen that I didn't need last year um, and that's you know the price of nitrogen coming up this year if it's you know who knows what it's going to be but that it's uh, it's pretty significant difference and stuff this year so I think like you said I think we've always erred on the side of you know, having plenty of nitrogen, nobody wants to be short of nitrogen, but I think we have to really start trying to fine tune that and try to, you know, rein that in a little bit. And, uh, you know, the, you know, the idea before was if a little was good, more was better, which was worked okay when nitrogen was cheap, but with the cost of it now and, uh, some of the environmental concerns type of thing, I think we really just have to start uh, trying to dial that in, you know, to how much we actually need. That's Les Anderson of Red Wing. Our next guest is Vance Johnson, a corn, soybean, wheat, and sugar beet grower from Breckenridge in west-central Minnesota. Well, Vance, let's start with an overview of an innovation grant project that you're working on. Uh, what are you up to? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a, I'd say it's a pretty interesting thing. Um, we're working on a soil health demonstration plot, if you would. Um, I'm working with the local, uh, the Wilkin County Soil Conservation District here we kind of sat down and come up with this idea and it's taking uh, three different tillage practices. So we've got a 60 acre field split, three ways, uh, 20 acres conventional till, 20 acres of strip till and 20 acres of no till. And then within each of those tillage practices, we've got each of them cut in half cover crops and no cover crops. So we've got uh, basically six treatments out there across the landscape and every year, the entire field is going to be one crop. So it's going to be one crop across all six practices and kind of see how things work. And we've agreed to try and do this for five years to see if we can see changes in soil types and, and where these practices take us, I guess. So. And this will be year one of the project, right? Uh, actually this last fall was year one. We had, uh, so if you 
work this back and try to think, what do we got, 21? So fall of 20, we, we set the project up, if you would. It was wheat, that whole field. And last year was, uh, we had a corn crop in there through all six of those practices. And this year will be uh, year number two going into sugar beets. Any results that you could share with us now? I mean, it is very early on in the project. So any results that are, are noteworthy right now? Uh, I guess as far as that goes, I guess, you know, as, as dry as last year was, I would say everything, you know, as far as the economics, yields, and, and costs came out like you would have expected. Um, our poorest yields were, were in the conventional tillage just due to lack of moisture. And, of course, with the corn, we had severe lodging just due to cannibalization. And as you got into the cover crops, you see an improvement just with retaining some moisture. Uh, the same went with the strip-till plots. Things improved with moisture retention and, and again, into the no-till plots. Um, so everything kind of seemed to fall into place there. Um, I would say if there was any interesting note that I found was uh, looking at soil temps. Um, just I've got some preliminary stuff on a two-inch comparing the, oh, what was it, our conventional tillage with no cover crops versus our uh, uh, what was it? No-till with no cover crops. And the soil temps really weren't that different between the conventional and no-till. They were within a couple of degrees all year long, with the exception of in February when it got really cold, the conventional till stuff, the ground got much colder, as you would probably expect. And then in the spring, early part of May, we had some real, real warm temps and 75, 80 degree temps during planting. And the conventional till stuff spiked, and the, and the no-till just kind of played status quo. And then once that spike was through in the conventional, everything just kind of mirrored itself back up again, which I figured there'd be a greater difference between the two. Well, as you work through the five years of this study, what are your eventual plans as far as the data that you collect, the information that you're able to um, put together? Uh, what will you do with that? Uh, I guess ultimately. Our, our idea is to do it as a, as a demonstration plot. So other guys that are interested out there, I mean, there's, there's some absolute risk into trying to go to either strip till or to a no-till or putting cover crops in or how do you apply them um, just to try and put some demonstration out there as to here's how a system can work. Here's a, here's a system that, you know, maybe we find out no-till or strip till, whatever, something just doesn't work. We can rule that out in our area, but at least we've got something that guys can watch and, and look at and say, you know what, I think I could implement this into my, my operation. Or, you know, it's just, no, it's, it's more work or, or it's more management than I care for. But at least they've got some hands-on looks at some things to maybe help make some decisions. As you said, Vance, there can be some risk associated with making some of these changes on farm. And, and certainly there can be some costs associated with them as well. wanted to bring that up because you're working with the Minnesota corn growers and this is an innovation grant project. So maybe speak to the to the value of that program a little bit and how you're able to take advantage of it. Absolutely. I guess, uh, yeah, with this innovation grant is, is really kind of a good, good help for us to do some real deep digging stuff. Cause we're, we're also on the backside, uh, doing some, some soil tests and trying to take some, um, some Haney tests and some PLFA type tests, um, some true soil health tests amongst all of these and monitor them so we can watch them change. And of course, with all of that comes, comes a cost for the soil samples and the testing and whatnot. And through the innovation grant, we're able to to cover that cost. So at least we can take that off of our plate and, uh, you know, try and get some good 
information, maybe even some some more background information, even for for academia to to help us, you know, really make some decisions on some of these. Uh, oh, what I want to say, these uh, systems, I guess. Anything else on the project that you want to make sure we talk about? Um, I guess there's nothing that really jumps. I guess just uh, you know. I think kind of the unique thing to it and, and understanding talking to other people around the state here, even just the way we're doing it with uh, all three systems or all six, six of these uh, plots, if you would, are continuous across one crop every year. So I'm just following my normal crop rotation and, and we're putting, you know, one crop against all these systems and uh, see how things, things turn out. And that said, I think this year is going to be, we're going to put the system to the test just because we're coming out of corn and going into sugar beets. And normally, you know, the normal thought is to really have to work that ground down and get rid of all your residues so you can really get a beet crop. And that no-till is going to challenge us a little bit, but uh, it'll be honestly fun to see what happens. So, That's Vance Johnson of Breckenridge. To learn more about the Innovation Grant Program, visit mncorn.org.